0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Back Check the Hockey History podcast, where we evaluate NHL players' cases for the Hall of Fame, and in this case, a non NHL player. This is a 1989 uh, draft class episode. My name is, or draft class Hall of Fame class episode. My name is Riley. I'm with Bill.
1: Hey, how are you doing?
0: Good. How about you? I'm doing all right. Thanks. And today, uh, like I said, it's the 1989 Hall of Fame class, not the draft, very much not the draft. And we have – it's an interesting class because there's basically only one contemporary player, and that is Daryl Sittler, who we're getting to second. And we have an old-timer, a pre-original six old-timer, Herbie Lewis. And then we have uh, the one, the only, Vladislav Tretiak. So we're going to start off with uh, Herbie Lewis, a left wing, um, who played between uh, 28 and 39 for various iterations of – Detroit, I say that because originally they were the Cougars, and then they were the Falcons, and then they were the Red Wings. And I guess at least one reason he's probably in the Hall of Fame is because he survived all of that and still had a career. Um, I don't know how many uh, Hall of Fame players were on all three versions of the Detroit NHL franchise. Anyway, uh, he played 11 seasons, uh, 7 quality by our estimation. And uh, he was 21st all-time in goals at his retirement, and 12th in assists and 15 points. Uh, That sounds all very impressive. It's very important to note that he started playing just when assists got tracked way, way more. The forward pass had come in, and they started uh, adding second assists. And so he is 12th all-time in assists because he played at that exact time that was very easy to become an all-time leader in assists. There's a whole bunch of guys who, when they retired in the uh, late 30s and early 40s, were in the top 25 in assists because you know it was very easy to do that. You just basically had to be a top player in the NHL. Um, he didn't play enough to make any of hockey references qualifiers for per-game stats. However, if you set the qualifier to 300 games, he was 19th all-time in goals per game, 11th all-time in assists per game, and 16th all-time in points per game as retirement, which sounds pretty good. He obviously wasn't drafted because he played in the 20s and 30s um, of the 19 players to play in at least 450 games between 1920 and 1939 he is you know pretty close to a top five player he's seventh in goals and goals per game six in assists fifth in assists and points per game but then he's eighth in points points per game and offensive point share so not quite top five um, and it's worth noting that this is pre-original six so we're talking about anywhere between seven and i think at their most they had 10 teams or 11 teams But, like, a lot of those teams were just there and gone Um, every year. Sometimes there were different numbers of teams. Gives you some idea. His 82-game average is only 52 points, but it's worth noting that with the exception of a couple seasons right around the turn of the 30s, that this was a lower-scoring era. Uh, His three-year peak is a 48-game average of 39 points from 33 to 36. Again, I mean, this is a guy who was, you know, he, he wasn't anywhere near point per game, but he was eighth overall in points in that time. So it's it sounds worse than it is. Playoff-wise, uh, he had 23 points in 38 games, which, again, doesn't sound very good. Um, but when we get to his uh, playoff totals, it will sound a little bit better. Um, hockey references playoff. He doesn't even meet a hockey references playoff per game um, requirements because... They just didn't play enough games back then, basically. But if if you lower uh, the requirement so that he does make them, he was fourth all-time in playoff goals per game. Uh, however, it's worth noting, he basically his goals per game was basically half of the third-place player, so he was way, way back of third place. Uh, he was 13th all-time in playoff assists per game and 8th all-time in points per game. So again, sort of ish a top-ten player, but a lot of that comes from, um, you know, The number of guys who played, who scored 10 goals, 10 assists, and 20 points in playoff games at that point in his career were not that many. Of the 98 skaters who have played in at least 20 playoff games between 28 and 39, he is 4th in playoff goals, which sounds great. He's 1st in goals per game, which is great. Um, He is 14th in playoff assists, 19th in assists per game, 6th in playoff points, and 7th in playoff points per game. So he looks better. Uh, aside from in the assist uh, competitors competition in the playoffs, despite his low, um, you know, his only 23 points in 38 games. Again, it was a uh, low scoring era. Um, hockey reference adjustment, of course, just absolutely adores him. As we know for the 20s and 30s players, it just like it, it makes it it's stupid So it says he scored 663 points, which puts him at an 82-game average of 113 points, or 61 points per 82 games more than he actually scored. So we can just throw that out. That's not real. Uh, (laughs) It's also worth noting that there is no versus X adjustment for error for him, because he just didn't score enough. Um, The versus X adjustment for error starts in 27, I think, but you still need to be in the top 200 or something. 250, I think, in total goals and points, and he's not. So um, he he still looks pretty decent by that. Uh, he was a top 10 offensive player by offensive point shares once in 36 when he had uh, 37 points in 45 games, which is almost his best season at a point per game level. Um, he was top 10 in goals once, top five in assists twice, top 10 in points twice. So some accomplishments, uh, but not an absolute dominant player. Um, now, here's where it uh, gets a little more interesting. He led the playoffs in goals in uh, 1937, and they won a cup. So that's important. Um, he also uh, won a second cup the year before in 36, but he, he didn't have anywhere near as I mean anywhere near it's exaggeration he didn't score as much that season, and that would put him as a, a quote unquote top six forward for that team. Um, also in 34, they went to the finals as well. And, uh, oh yeah, I should have pointed out, he led the playoffs in goals twice. Once in 34 when they didn't win the Cup and once 37 when they didn't win the Cup. And that's it. So his resume is pretty short, but leading the playoffs in goals is pretty great. He had that one really good offensive season, and he does seem to compare quite well with his, uh, his
1: contemporaries. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, the, the first in goals per game in the playoffs is... Uh... Is a pretty uh, pretty important stat. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the hardest time of the year to score, and he, he was the best at it. So. Well, uh,
0: I should point out that that qualify that was twenty playoff games played, right? Yeah. And one okay. of the important things to remember about that is prior to nineteen twenty seven, Stanley or twenty eight, I can't remember which, uh, Stanley Cup playoff games, actual Stanley Cup games were not counted as NHL playoff games. Okay. And so that. Like it means that the star players of the late teens and early to mid 20s are not on that list.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So
0: that does, but still
1: for his era, Bill, you're absolutely yeah. right. First yeah. In playoff. I mean, cool. you know, if, if you're number one on a list when it comes to something as important as goal scoring in the playoffs, it's at yeah. least pointing you in the direction of this guy was an important enough player to, we should at least be having a conversation about. And, yeah. you know, the, the rest of his stats are not, uh, you know, there's no stat where it's like, wow, he's awful and shouldn't be in. Like, there's nothing glaring that sort of pushes him towards an omission. I don't think. Anyway. No, no. I mean,
0: I, I he's one of those guys that like, you know, we're never we're never gonna see him play. Um, he doesn't. He, his absolute numbers do not jump off the page because he was playing in a low scoring era. But when you look relative to his era, and you look at those two, those two uh, times he led the playoffs in goals. I mean, it seems really hard to quibble with it. Seems like a reasonable selection. I think one thing you wonder about is like why nineteen eighty nine? He retired fifty years earlier. But anyway. Who knows? I guess they just thought it was an oversight.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, it's you know, there's I I can't see a reason to not have him in there and uh, you know, it's it, like Never, like, honestly, never heard of him, but yeah, sounds like he was one of the better players there. And, and you know, since, uh, since we're not doing our ideal hall where only the elite of the elite get in, then I mean, for sure he should be in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have no, I have no quibbles with it. It certainly seems like a reasonable decision. Um, I mean, it was a weird time, but like, it also, like, it does, I do wonder how much of his playing for a Detroit franchise that really hadn't been established yet very long when he played had something to do with the delay, you know, it was sort of like, here's this guy who, yeah, he won two cups, but he won two cups with the Red Wings. And uh, back when the Red Wings were just barely the Red Wings, actually they might not have even been the Red Wings yet. Yeah, they were. Well, yes. Uh, Where's this playoff? Yeah, they were the Red Wings. Uh, But I don't know. I just, I do wonder how much people cared about that team, those teams at the time because they were so many teams had like floundered and disappeared, <laughs> you know, Yeah. it's sort of like the idea that maybe that some of these would go too. I don't know. Maybe that's why it just, it seems weird. Cause he has a better case than a lot of the guy, a lot of the old timers who were inducted in the, in the nineties. So anyway, yeah. so up next we have, um, the man who for a long time was considered the best leaf forward of all time. Um, and is still considered one of the best couple. Um, and, uh, you know, only, only after, uh, it dep- And you know, it depends how, how much you value longevity, but only until, uh, I guess Doug Gilmore. And if you value longevity, Madsen Dean was like his, his, uh, <laughs> mantle as best leaf ever, um, best leaf forward anyway. Um, uh, uh, hand it off to somebody else. Um, so we have Daryl Sittler. He played from '78 to 85, 15 seasons, uh, 12 of which are quality by our standards. And he was 13th all-time in goals at his retirement with nearly 500 484. He was 19th all-time in assists with over 600 and 15th all-time in points with 1121, all of which seem like not a whole lot anymore, <laughs> you know, because of The sheer amount of games people play now and the huge amount of scoring that occurred late in his career and after his retirement. Um, So he's no longer in any of those leaderboards. He's plus 57, and that's in 1,096 games. He had 96 point shares, and at his retirement, he's 20th all-time in offensive point shares, too. So by those metrics, he was a top-20 offensive player at his retirement. Like I said, he is not up in those uh, leaderboards anymore. So he was drafted in 1970. Um, uh, Hockey references sending me an ad when I try to go click on the draft. So that is the Gilbert (laughs) Perrault draft that we talked about last episode, um, which in which we decided that Gilbert Perrault was absolutely the best player in that draft. And there was no question. And that is because he was uh, he had played, you know, less than 100 games more than Daryl Sittler. And in in two of three offensive categories, easily bested Daryl Sittler in terms of, so like he only has uh, 28 more goals than Sittler does, but he has nearly 200 more assists and he has over 200 more points than Sittler. So it really is um, very much in terms of forwards. Sorry, we decided that Perra was the best forward in the draft. It is between him and Sittler and and Perra's case is just better. Uh, Certainly in terms of regular season numbers. Of course, Bailey Smith was also in the strap. That's why I had to double back and say,
1: uh, Ah, yes.
0: uh, But still Sittler is, you know, the next guy after Sittler is Rick McLeish or Reggie Leach. Yeah. Um, And Sittler just had a, a, far longer peak and was also unlike those guys was very clearly the best forward, at least on his team. Um, so, Uh, Yeah, he's second in basically everything in the draft class, except for plus minus, in which he's uh, fifth and point shares, he's the second forward. So of the 19 scares playing at least 902 games, which is 11 minor seasons between 70 and 85, he's third in goals, fifth in goals per game, fifth in assists, sixth in assists per game, fifth in points, and fifth in points per game. So he's a top five player, fourth in offensive point shares. Um, So, you know, top five forward at the very least. Uh, for that era, so that's pretty damn good. His 82-game average is 84 points plus 4, so he's more than a point-per-game player. And his three-year peak from 77 to 80 is an 80-game average of 107 points plus 24, which is pretty damn great. His playoff numbers are less impressive. Unlike Perot, whose playoff numbers were ridiculous, uh, Sitla's playoff numbers are worse. He has 74 points minus 21 in, in only 76 games, and that is, of course, because he played for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, for most of his career. But it's worth noting that he's definitely not, he's not a point-per-game player in the um, playoffs. Of course, he would have been the target of defenses for much of that time. He looks bad uh, in, in the air comparison for the playoffs. So the hundreds of skaters playing at least 41 playoff games between 70 and 85, he's 32nd in goals. 31st in assists, and 31st in playoff points. So he looks terrible. Um, again, he played for the Maple Leafs. And much like Dion, though he played in more playoff games than Dion, it's safe to say that he didn't necessarily have a ton of help, um, at least offensively speaking. And there's only really that one year, as we will discover, uh, that he uh, that he ever went anywhere. Um, well, I guess there was one other year where they played almost as many games, but they didn't advance as far. The uh, adjustment for ERA um, hurts him, as you would expect, a player who played in the 70s and 80s. uh, It knocks him down 12 points per 82 games to 72 points per 82 games, which is still perfectly acceptable. The versus X adjustment for ERA likes him a little bit more. Hockey reference drops him down to 959 versus X drops him down to 973 points, so a little bit better. Um, Still not quite a point-per-game player, but better than 72 points per 82 games. We have trades. We didn't have any trades with Herbie Lewis. We have trades. Uh, one of them is notorious in Leafs history. And really, they should both be in some ways notorious in Leafs history because of what happened. Oh. So as everybody or anybody who's a Leafs fan knows, they had a terrible owner. And he was trying to get rid of his stars because he didn't want to pay them. And they traded Sittler, who was you know, Mr. Toronto Maple Leaf at this point. Um, like the face of the franchise in every way uh, at only 31 years old um, to the flyers Four, a player to be named later, who be, who Ken strong a second round pick in 1982, which became Peter and check An- he's before my time. I don't even know how to pronounce it in a,
1: in a, in a check. Maybe um, it, it sound, sounds familiar, but
0: in uh... yeah. a prospect named Rich Costello, that's it. That is it. They traded for a second-round pick, a prospect named Rich Costello, who was a second-round draft pick that year, or sorry, uh, the year before, or whatever, and a player to be named later. Like it is a terrible, terrible trade from a hockey standpoint. Like, so, so this is why I brought up the other one, because literally two and a half years later. The Flyers got more for Sittler than the Leafs did. Wow! They got Murray Craven, Man who was not nobody. You know, I don't know how old Murray Craven was at the time. He was, he was very young. He was twenty. So maybe you know, you didn't necessarily know, but he was he had pedigree. He was 17th overall. That is at yeah. least a name that we've heard of. You know, I mean, I, we've heard of Peter Anichuk, but like, you know what I mean? Like they got an actual prospect, a real prospect for him. Plus another player that I didn't mention. Like, that's the thing that makes the, the first trade look so terrible is, like, I guess if you were the Leafs management in in um, in 82, you could go, like, blah, blah. We thought, you know, Sittler's going to be done or something because his, you know, points had been declining a tiny bit. Not very much, but a tiny bit. And they were ahead of the curve. He would decline soon. But the Flyers after he had declined a bit were still able to get more for him. It's just Yeah. It's awful.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's it's just really like um I don't know. I, I've 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 looked at it a million times and it's like it's it's impossible to like come to any other conclusion than Ballard was trying to make the team actually bad. <laughs> And they were lucky because Anacek actually turned out to be, like, a decent player for the Leafs.
1: Yeah. But, but, but you, it was yeah. at the... Sorry, go ahead. You, you, you can't trade a guy like Sittler and, and you know, not, not, not get back, I, I think, you know, multiple quality pieces if you're... I mean, I, like, you never win a trade when you trade the best player in the deal, but, like... Yeah. Like you have to at least get some multiple quality, but I I don't know maybe he just he was that adverse to spending money that he's like no just give me one cheaper piece and let's be done with
0: it. <laughs> Sidler was still a point point game player when the trade happened, and I know it was the early 80s, and I know he was older, but like you're right, like you just you got to get something back, and and yeah. getting a prospect draft in the second round, a second round pick, and a uh, and a player to be named later sounds like. You just got robbed. Like, it's yeah. just.
1: What, what what year was the trade again?
0: 82. It was mid. It was January 30, 20th, 1982.
1: That's Yeah, it's like, I mean, he's, he's got the goal from 76. He's been yeah. the best player for a long time. He's like.
0: Yeah. Now, like, McDonald's already gone at this point. <laughs> um, And, like, Ballard's already been, you know, sort of taking things apart a little bit. But, like, it's still. Yeah. He's the face of the franchise and he's tra and like I was you know I was four months old <laughs> so I wasn't aware of any of this stuff at the time but like I can I've always sort of like heard a little bit about it but it, for whatever reason it was one of those trades I never bothered to go back and look up before. Because I just sort of figured, of course, it was a bad trade. Ballard traded yeah. Sitler. Like it's going to be a bad trade. I don't. Uh, I don't need to know. You know. Like I've, I've got yeah. plenty of more recent terrible Leafs trades to worry about than the Sitler trade. And then, when actually doing this, I looked at it. I was like, oh god, <laughs> it really yeah. is ter- just terrible. <laughs> and it is just hilarious that the Flyers managed to turn. Um, you know, Murray Craven, he's not to say Murray Craven was amazing, but he's at least, you know, he's at least a name that people know yeah. and, and was drafted 17th overall. And, and so it wasn't actually a bit of a prospect and somehow the Flyers were able to get more for a, a Sittler who was two and a half years older, over two and a half years old, which doesn't make any, any damn sense. Anyway, I'll shut up. <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. It's terrible.
0: Um, So Zittler was a top five in heart roading once and he made one second team all-star, which makes sense because he would have been behind uh, Dion. He would have been behind Perot, as we just discussed because Perot was better than I I certainly remembered. Um, And then of course, later on his career, there was even more competition for that, but Trottier would have been around there too. He only made four all-star game appearances, which seems like not that many given that he was the best player on Leafs, but anyway. He was a top five offensive player uh, once in 78 and top 10 uh, four other times. So basically all through the end of the late 70s he was one of the best 10 offensive players in the league. He was top 10 in goals three times, he was top five in assists once and he was top five in points once. He is also one of those players who did a bunch of things that not many other people had done at his retirement. For example, he had scored 40, 35 goals nine times, and when he retired, the only other players to ever do that were Dion Esposito, Bobby Hall, and Gordie Howe, which is a very good company. Yeah. Now, obviously, many more people have done that, but that's something that he had done, you know, that very, very few people had done. Another thing I can pick out, cherry pick out, he scored 80 points nine times. When he retired, the only other players to do that were Dion Esposito, Stan Mikita emperor so once again very nice company at his retirement all that stuff looks less impressive now but when he retired he was well you know fairly he he he'd he'd had a peak that was maybe not quite as good as some of those players but he had also been good for quite a long time
1: yeah yeah there's no real like big drop off or
0: anything, yeah you know, so. um versus x peak adjustment <laughs> has has him 127 goals for his best seven seasons, which isn't very good, but 84th all-time in assists and 63rd all-time in points. So that's pretty good. And for best 10 seasons, he's 87th all-time in goals, so much, much better. 81st all-time in assists and 56 all-time in points, which is honestly higher than I thought it would be. I also just have to point out that he is hilariously, for the versus X best 10 seasons adjustment, for assists all-time, he is tied with Matt Sundin, which is just like, how the fuck does that happen? Like, that's just... <laughs> It's just bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But 56 all time in in points for his best 10 seasons is very impressive. It's not quite Perot level, but it's still like better than I thought and makes me think a little more highly of him than I, as someone who didn't watch him play. Um, You know, I, I'm sort of like, I was, I grew up with the like Sittler is better than Matt's crap um, that I had to listen to for a really long time. And, uh, and so I was a little biased towards Matt's having watched you know, virtually all of Matt Sandin Lee's career um, and uh, and so I was biased but now I'm like seeing oh yeah, yeah Sittler's, Sittler's uh, pretty good so he famously didn't win anything in the NHL because of course he was on the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, they did go to one and only one conference final or well the equivalent of a conference final and that um, or semifinal, you know, NHL semifinal, whatever you want to call it. That was in 78, and it's worth noting that that was the only time they made it there between 67 and, and 93, which is a That's, very, very long time.
1: That is a very long time.
0: And uh, it has a lot to do with uh, Daryl Sittler, because Daryl Sittler scored... Uh, he only scored 11 points in 13 games, but he still scored more points than any other forward on his team. That Weirdly, that year... Uh, Ian Turnbull led the team in points. Um, go figure. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he had more assists than Sittler and more goals, somehow. I I presume it's because everybody who was playing the least was trying to shut down Sittler and McDonald. Um, that would be my guess. But um, yeah, he was the best forward on that team. And uh, I think it's safe to say no one is. I mean, I didn't watch it. I was not alive. I wasn't. My parents were just married, I think. But like. Um, it's safe to say that no one is uh, is going going to go insist that Ian Turnbull was really the best player on that team, I don't think. Yeah. It's it's a matter of, like, Sittler, McDonald, and Salming were doing a lot of heavy lifting, and Turnbull got some benefit from it, I think, probably. Um, he did win, as Bill just pointed out, he did win a Canada Cup in 76, uh, where he was, by points, a top-six forward. And he won two bronzes in 82 in 83, one of which he had a top-three forward role, as far as we can tell, and top-six on the other one. By 83, he would have been 32, so that makes a lot of sense. So, not a lot of hardware in the team department, but certainly a fairly... a pretty damn good regular season career. And uh, if you can get around the bad playoff numbers, he certainly looks like he belongs.
1: Yep. Well, I, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't be in. I mean, I, I, and this is one of those cases where I don't even think he needs that uh, that sort of uh, pumping of the tires that comes with playing for the Leafs for a while. Uh, he, he doesn't need it. He's, <laughs> I think he's, you know, gi- given his impressive uh, resume um, and very like pretty uh, pretty amazing consistency as one of the top players in the league for, for that long and you know you were you were pointing out where he finished uh like w- where he ranked when his career ended i mean it's like that's that's a pretty uh, pretty elite list of names so i mean if to, to me that's the stat that, that pops out as like uh, if you had any doubt uh, okay yeah it's, it's pretty solid i think we should probably put him in so
0: yeah yeah um i mean the fact is you you know 13th all-time in goals when he retired 19th all-time in assists and 15th all-time in points is pretty damn impressive as is doing things like you said bill that only a few other players at the time had ever done and all of whom are no doubt hall of famers I mean I think the only thing you know you can look at is those playoff numbers are bad and relative to his era but you know the Leafs were not good for much of his career they were only good for a few seasons um, you know they he played that season in '78 when they went to the uh, the semifinals. They played 13 games. They only he only other ever, play, uh, ever played in double-digit games one other time, and that was in '76, two years earlier when they I think they like just took both series all the yeah. way. And uh, he had 12 points in 10 games, which is a perfect point. He also one year in '77 he had 21 points in nine games. So it's not like he had terrible playoffs all the time. The problem is that there were all these years where the Leafs were just not very good, and he also like he, he also had uh, quite these uh, playoff numbers for Philly are not amazing either. Um, but uh, it's actually that's actually the thing that hurts him is that he only has seven points in ten games, which is fine for Philly, but like not elite. Um, whereas he has sixty-five uh, points for. Uh, in 64 games for the, uh, for the Leafs. Um, But like, he does have these, there's these years, right? Where they just like, you know, they just got knocked out of the playoffs every year because as we talked about with um, Dion, sometimes the the Leafs got in when they probably shouldn't have. And (laughs) then they faced some juggernaut and they got killed. And Sittler, especially once Keon and it was gone, and once Almond was too old, and and that kind of stuff. Sitler was like the focus of the other team. Yep. So I yeah, so think there's things- not
1: much you can do at that point, right? Like you're just, I mean, some players do like occasionally. you will be like you know the other teams like we got to shut this guy down, and shutting him down means limiting him to like a point a game. But <laughs> if you're the sole focus because the rest of your team's really not very good, uh, it 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 like it's, I mean, for for any Leaf fans who are listening and probably not very happy about any of this right now because it's just sort of demonstrating that even when you had somebody good, you immediately traded them for nothing. And yeah, you know, it, was the, it was the only time you went anywhere between 67 and 93. It's horrible. Yep. Um, but same sort of thing that happened this year once Tavares got hurt. If they could shut down Matthews, it's sort of like they take away, like you take away one line. And, you know, when when you're a one line team, that one line better be the absolute best in the NHL or you're not going anywhere. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, and like the thing is like in 77, nobody shut him down. He had an excellent playoff, but they still lost, you know, and it looks like it was because of, no, it wasn't Mike Palmatier. Um, well, it was because of, uh, one of their, it was their, their other goalie was terrible. Um, but like, who did they lose to in 77? So in 77, they lost to the Flyers. Oh, actually, only in six games. Um, And the Flyers, of course, probably beat the shit out of them um, <laughs> because they were the Flyers. But, like, Sittler had 21 points in nine games, which is extraordinarily impressive. And McDonald had 17 points in nine games. They were on fire. But, like, wow. the rest of the team didn't show up offensively, you know? And I Palmateer must have been the uh, – Palmater must have been the backing goalie. Well, no, he started. I don't know, because it seems like for whatever reason, Palmater didn't play. He only played slightly more than half the games and he was fine, but Wayne Thomas was terrible. Um, oh, and uh, so uh, that it was probably a combination of the rest of the Leafs not showing up offensively and some not great goaltending at times, at important times. But the fact is, is that in Sittler's best playoff run, he didn't have much help. And then the rest of the time, like you said, Bill, just being the target of everybody and getting shut down all the time makes it really, really hard for... Especially when you're playing, like, the Habs, you know? Yeah. Or the, or the Flyers, who had just recently been able to beat the Habs, you know? It's, uh yeah, it's it's hard to demand more. And, I mean, yeah, his, his playoff numbers relative to the rest of the league, the very best stars of the league were terrible. But, like he was being asked to do probably just about everything compared to, you know, some of his other teammates. So. yeah. So lastly, we have someone who we don't have a lot to say about for the simple reason that, uh, there is not a lot of, um, stuff on the internet about him. The, in terms of data, there's plenty of stuff on the internet about him, about his legend, about, the narrative. Um, but as I said to Bill before we started recording, you know, we're not uh this is not a quite a full-time enough gig for us to uh to read whole books about players. So um I, I'm sure we're gonna miss something here, but basically we're talking about Vladislav Tretiak, who is regarded by some people as the greatest goalie of all time, or certainly the greatest Russian goalie of all time and one of the greatest goalies in the history of the sport. And the problem is is that USSR, the uh, Soviet League hockey st- uh, goalie stats are worse than skater stats. There's basically no information. There's a tiny bit of information, <laughs> but it's not very much. So we know he played in the Soviet League from 68 to 84. And as far as we know, he was a good goalie for all of those seasons. Um, and I will uh, attempt to explain why in, in a minute. Um, he. He gave up 1,158 goals in 482 games, which is approximately 2.31 goals against, which for the NHL at that time, I think would be probably very good. Um, That is the information that we have about his career. We don't have wins and losses. I don't know why they don't have wins and losses.
1: Probably because there's only like four losses ever. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) possibly. So, but what we do know is that he won the Soviet league MVP five times between 74 and 83. And that is a, you know, was a nine year period. So it basically every other season for nine years. And that is the most MVPs of any person in Soviet league history. So that is a pretty good indication that he was good. In addition to that, he made, he was the first team all-star for the Soviet league, 14 out of his 16 seasons. So, yeah. Like I said, we don't have win loss. We do have the fact that he was considered the best goalie in the league 14 out of 16 years he was in that league, which is something. I'm not sure there is a, compar- a comparable player in the NHL to have that level. Like Bork made, you know, well, maybe Gordie Howe made enough first team All Stars to compare yeah. with that. But like it would be Howe or Bork, maybe. And Bork, even then, like, there was a few years where he didn't. So, like, that's that's all I got. It's those two guys in him. Now, obviously, the Soviet League, it's different, but still. He is also, it's worth noting, the first non-North American-trained hockey player to ever be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1989. So, he is patient zero for Bill's uh, terrible, like, uh, the, the thing mm-hmm. that you hate, Bill, about non-NHL players being inducted. Um but it also stands to say something about Tretiak that he is the guy who they decided to break the, you know.
1: Oh yeah. And I mean, you know, the, the Habs threw a draft, uh, draft pick flyer on him. Just get, if he ever came over, my God, like, you know, it was, uh, he was, he was so universally respected by, um, you know, it's like, even like the guys who played in 72, who, you know, a lot of the way they're, you know, the, the Russian players played irked them and they just weren't used to it. And it kind of drove them crazy because they did things that they didn't expect them to do. And, you know, there's slashing this and all. Anyways, but there's, you know, universally like, what a great guy, amazing goaltender. Like, holy crap, we couldn't believe how good he was. Like, just, you know, we we know he, like, you know, they always won at the Olympics and you're like, oh, that Trechiak's really good. They're like, yeah, we've got Ken Dryden. And they're like, oh my God, Trechiak is <laughs> something else. Like, I think it was, uh, Surprising, just how good he was when he faced NHL competition, and it wasn't like uh, this guy can't stop it. You know, it's like, oh, he's he's right there. Like if he could make it, if he could make it to the NHL, he'd be one of the top goalies, no question. So yeah, um, to to follow up
0: on your point about the Olympics, he won three Olympic medals, and he was the starter on all three of those teams, and he also won a silver. So three goals in a silver of the Olympics is and now obviously they were playing pro players at a time when no one else was, but still he was also the MVP of the uh, USSR team that won the Canada cup in 81. And he was the starter when they uh, did not advance to the final in 76. Um, he, he won the best goaltender tournament award and the media all-star award on two different world championships. Teams in 79-83, again playing against amateur competition, but still. He also just won the best tournament goaltender award a further time on a champion in 74. And he won the Media All-Star a set which is a separate award on a champion in 75. If you're counting, we're at four champions and he won another six world championships <laughs> USSR, so ten in total. Four of those. He was considered either best goaltender or media all-star or both. And he also won uh, two silvers and a bronze as well in addition to those 10 gold medals he also as bill mentioned um, was the starter on the uh, ussr team in the summit series and he won 13 um soviet league titles between 71 and 84 um so if you're counting uh that sounds like all of them but i, I think i'd I said that wrong. Basically one in a 14-year period, he won um all but one Soviet league title and he was the starter on all of those teams. It's not like as far as we know, he was ever the backup. He also won two European junior championships in 69-70 and one silver in 68 when he was probably too young to really help and he played in at least 3 super series uh those friendlies with the NHL and at least 2 of those 3 teams had winning records where the soviets beat the NHL players which is just like you know we're always it's always like mind blowing the the kind of international hardware that the the soviet players from the 70s and 80s have yeah. but like i'm not sure another forward we've talked about or defenseman we talked about has this many like combined olympics
1: no, uh, can the
0: cup and world championship medals? No,
1: you, you, you like, I mean, you, you almost can't, right? I mean, outside of maybe, uh, maybe like Slava Fetisov, like uh, in terms of like was just the best at his possession at his position for his country for a good solid twenty years, and Tretiak's that, right? Like just mm-hmm. who who else would you put in next? Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> He's the guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and it's just it's just. You know, like you said, we have very little information about his regular season career in the Soviet league. But the international stuff is he was he was the starter on I I've, I don't know four, four Olymp- three Olympic champions, one Canada Cup champion, and ten World Championships, as well as thirteen Soviet League champions. And a bunch of those times, the tournament decided that he was the best player as well, or best goalie at the very least. And like that is just—it's a lot. I, oh, I—I I skipped over the world, the European Juniors there. Whoops. Um, it is an absolute ton, and uh, yeah, it's—it's it's really. I mean, you know, this is a guy who retired when I was three. But uh, everybody who's ever, you know, people talk about him in in sort of hushed tones, and uh, you know, there were a lot of people who said, um, he often outplayed. the the star NHLers. I mean, I've definitely seen there were some years, some years he did not, (laughs) even when they won. There are years where if you look up his international, I can probably pull them up right now. If you look up his international, uh, GAA at the very least, which is a team stat, but they weren't tracking shots. So like, what can you do? Um, there are years where it was not good. Uh, but I mean, it was, that was not that often. Like I'm just pulling up right now. Um, yeah, there's like so there's years where like in 72 for example in the summit series he had a four basically four goals per game GA, you know. Um but like his Olympic overall, his Olympic GA is 1.87 and his world his world championship GA is 1.92 for his entire career, which are very impressive. Yeah. Um and you know, he the bad years come only occasionally, you know, there's uh and, and again, because it's GAA and not save percentage, we don't know. In fact, actually the worst years it's what's interesting is his very worst years are against NHL in the, in the, um, in the super series, both in 72 and 74. When he actually had, he actually had to play against NHL players. So that's interesting, but, uh, if I become a trajectory, people will hunt me down. So I think it's safe to say that this guy was one of the best goalies of his era, regardless. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. it it's whether or not the North American hall of fame was right to open it up to the world in a very limited way by inducting him, who the hell knows, mm-hmm. but he's certainly deserving of being in a, in the international hall of fame. That is oh, for sure.
1: Absolutely, My God. Yeah. It's uh there's, you know that that that's the thing to me. It should be. I, I feel like they should be two separate things. But you know, it's j- just because you know, like it's so hard to find the stats from those days. Um, you know, and it's it's not that we it's not that we don't want to acknowledge that absolutely. If it weren't, if it in a way, it feels a little unfair to punish them for being stuck behind the iron curtain when they definitely could have played in the league. But you know, it's I, I maybe just have their own wing. I don't know it's a, it it's a tough one you know like maybe maybe at some point you just combine both those hall of fames and just call it a day and have an international section and a and an NHL section or whatever but uh but it's it, it's tough you know cuz it's there's such a variety in the pro leagues so it's really hard to tell what they did throughout their career yeah. um you know so it's a, it makes it very tricky um to know to know what their, the quality of their competition was like or to even dig up any of the stats i mean and it's you know not, not not that we have so many stats from the NHL going back, but uh, we 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 tend to have a little more than uh, than what we're trying to go on. Um, but yeah, like I mean, it. I I guess personally, I wouldn't have opened Pandora's box like that. But I think if you're go- if you were going to Tretiak's, the guy who has to be that guy, right? Because no, you, it's very hard to argue it. I mean, you, you saw what he did against the NHL competition, and he was, he was lights out. Like very clearly, he had the ability. Um, and in his limited exposure to NHL talent, always played well against them. It's like, well, maybe we should put this guy in, but then you know everybody else. But you know the world's changed since then too. So it's like, it's uh, it, 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 it's a tricky one. If somebody wants to buy me a beer or a dozen, maybe they could talk me into just just having everybody who's international come into the NHL. But it's it's pretty much already happened, right? If you, if well, if my you problem
0: a- my problem with that comes down to you pick one or the other right like yeah Yeah. it's it's for I have don't have a problem with like you do with admitting them it's cool I just think you if you're gonna do it you're gonna have to you should actually do it and not just pick like the top seven guys that you or whatever it is you know (laughs) that you've decided all almost all from Russia it's worth noting Um, there's what is it just Nedomansky? I think who's the uh, the exception to that off the top of my head And uh, like yeah, so. that that feels like a really weird thing to do. And it also opens up, as we've talked about many times, like, well, what about the guys who came over and and chose the wrong North American League for their primes? You know, um, specifically Swedish players who did that. And and it, I do I do think if you're trying to be the the hockey all fame for the entire world, you're going to have to do a better job with admitting uh, players. And it, they've done it to themselves, right? They started inducting these guys, and I think it probably started here with the the. I bet the uh, the selection committee in '89 was like, "Yeah, but Tretiak was so good," you know, and they talked themselves into it. And then, then when it came around to whoever was next, whether it was Makarov or someone else, I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, they're like, "Well, but Tretiak," <laughs> they created their own slippery slope. Yep. Alright, so Herbie Lewis.
1: Uh yep. No no reason to kick him out.
0: Yeah. I don't see one either. Daryl Sittler.
1: Yeah, Sittler's in.
0: Yeah. And Tretiak. Uh
1: in my ideal world probably not because he would be in a different super double IHF Hall of Fame thing that they have, but uh I uh, I will grudgingly allow that if any European deserves to be in the NHL hockey hall of fame that it should be in.
0: Alright, sounds good. Um, and that is all for us, uh, this episode because it was a particularly strange class and, uh, (laughs) just very, very I mean, Trojak had, had actually met, just met that, uh, only a couple of years earlier, had met that three year thing, but of course he was not an NHL player. So it's just, it's very strange. Um, and, uh, up next we have a, uh, a big uh, class of four players of Tony Esposito, Guy Lefler, Brad Park, and an old-timer, Buddy O'Connor.
1: So hopefully you will tune in for that, and we will see you then.